2: Now this passage here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is the most comprehensive instructions we have in the New Testament concerning communion. And it was written by the Apostle Paul to correct some of the abuses that existed in the Corinthian church.
1: And isn't it interesting that within the body of Christ today there are still great differences over what it means to take communion or the Eucharist. Welcome to another edition of Study Verse by Verse. And as you might have already guessed, Pastor Leighton Sheely will be in the book of 1 Corinthians and will share some of those differences and give you his perspective on what Paul actually had to say. More details about Church of the Highlands can be found on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout, and here's Pastor Leighton.
2: The ancient world was much more social than ours today. They didn't have the smartphones and the televisions and other things, and so the people would get together for a feast called Eranos, where each would bring a, whatever they had, and they would all share together and, and uh, enjoy the meal together. The uh, early Christian church also had such a custom, it was called the agape, or the love feast, and... Uh, Christians would bring what they had, and they'd they'd share that meal in common today. It's sort of like the church potluck uh, that we have today and continue that tradition. However, the early church got together at least every week and probably all throughout the week. And then uh, the ancient world was also rigidly divided into classes. Uh, There was the slaves and those who were free. There was the Greeks and the barbarians. There were the Jews and the Gentiles. There were the Roman citizens and everyone else. There was the educated and the ignorant. But the church was the one place where all people could get together and the divisions of class and race were forgotten in the presence of the Lord's Supper. The church is the body of people that are united to each other because we are united to Christ. The Lord's Supper was instituted by Jesus before he died In a private meal that he had with his disciples, we call the Last Supper, he spoke to his disciples about the significance of this meal. And Matthew Gospels records the detail now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. It's found in Matthew 26. So the disciples wouldn't have called this the last meal because they didn't know that in just a few hours Jesus was going to be taken away from them and unjustly sentenced to death. To them, this was just another Passover celebration, one that had been celebrated every year for over a thousand years. And so the Lord's Supper is based on the Passover, which then brings up the question, what is the Passover? Well, God instituted the Passover when he delivered his people from their bondage in Egypt. The Passover celebrated the death angel passing over the houses of those whose doorposts and littles were smeared with the blood of the Passover lamb. The judgment was sent for all, but judgment passed over those who were under the blood of the Passover lamb. In Exodus chapter 12, God said, Now this day will be a memorial to you, and you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You're to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. And so throughout the history of Israel, they celebrated it in remembrance of the Lord's miraculous deliverance from Egypt into the Promised Land. It is still, to this day, considered one of the holiest of Jewish feasts. And so Jesus took two parts of this Passover meal, the passing of the bread and the drinking of the vine, and he gave them a new meaning as representations of his body and blood. And he used them to signify what he was about to do on the cross. So Jesus transformed the Passover meal into a celebration of an infinitely greater deliverance that he was coming to bring, of which the Passover was only a picture. You see, the Passover celebrated the temporary physical deliverance under the old covenant. But the Lord's Supper celebrates the permanent spiritual deliverance of the new. The Passover celebrates deliverance from the land of bondage into the promised land. The celebration of communion celebrates the deliverance of those who are in the land of death to the land of eternal and abundant life. Judgment will pass over those who are under the blood of the Passover lamb. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. So there's a very clear connection between Passover and the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper was celebrated from the earliest days of the church. Acts, which records the early church, uh, in chapter 2 says that those who accepted the Apostle Peter's message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the Apostle's teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. The breaking of bread refers to the communion services that were presented and modeled after that of the Last Supper. Now this passage here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is the most comprehensive instructions we have in the New Testament concerning communion. And it was written by the Apostle Paul to correct some of the abuses that existed in the Corinthian church. In that church, there, there, was a, there were many divisions, and one of those divisions was between the rich and the poor, which also included their time that they should have been feasting together and celebrating communion. Now, the early church didn't have buildings. In fact, the early church wasn't really legalized in the Roman Empire until Constantine issued the Edict of Milan in 313 A.D., and so it was common for the church to gather together in the homes of the wealthier members and since the dining area could only seat a few the host would select those who ate with them and the rest were would eat out in the atrium or the open court and so where a person ate became a distinction of class now for many poor believers the love feast was probably the only decent meal that they would have in the course of the whole week but in Corinth the art of sharing had been lost, and the result was that a meal that should have obliterated the social differences instead exacerbated them. The Apostle Paul rebukes this in, beginning in verse 17. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you. And drink the cup. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself." And that's why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we're disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. And if anyone is hungry, let them eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. So since the beginning of the early church, the believers gathered together. And the word that's used to describe the Lord's Supper is uh, suggestive. Because uh, for the Greeks, their breakfast consisted of a little bread dipped in some wine. And then their midday meal was eaten just about any place. It might have been on a street corner, it might have been in, in the city square. In fact, a few years ago, our church family had the opportunity to go uh, on a journey uh, of the the journeys of Paul, and uh, we were taken to a city that was being excavated, and the tour guide pointed to a a, a structure that was on a street corner and asked us what it was. And so we were looking at it, and there was this uh, this table about that high, and, and it had holes that were cut in the table. And so we're trying to figure out what it's all about, and finally he told us this was a fast food restaurant. And that was the place where you put the pots that held the soups and the noodles and so forth. So they would eat wherever they were in the middle of the day because they were working throughout the day. But in the evening, they would sit down and they would enjoy each other's company. Remember, they didn't have television back then. And they didn't have smartphones back then. Their entertainment was being with each other. And it was that word that was used to describe the Lord's Supper. It was a time of sitting down and enjoying each other's company. Now, with that as an introduction... Let's study the passage in greater detail. Verse 17 says, "'But in the following instructions I do not commend you, "'because when you come together it's not for the better but for the worse. "'For in the first place when you come together as a church "'I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. "'For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine "'among you may be recognized.'" The word church here is ecclesia, and the word literally means an assembly or congregation, it's the gathering of believers. In the New Testament, the word church never refers to a building. We in America, when we hear the word church, we think of a building. That's the building of the church. Actually, the church building is not the church. The people are the church. The building is just the place where the church gathers.
1: We hear that explained over and over again, don't we? And yet we still forget. We need to be reminded. This is Study Verse by Verse. That was Pastor Leighton Sheely. He's the senior pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, an outreach to the uh, Greater Bay Area. And if you'd like to know more about Church of the Highlands and this broadcast, go to the website highlands.us. And we'll come back tomorrow with part two of this look at communion or the Eucharist. This is an outreach from the church supported in part by the congregation and in greater part by you in the listening audience. If you'd like to join with the team and become a financial partner, you can do that very easily by going to that website, Highlands.us, and clicking on the Donate Now button. Again, that's highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Have a blessed rest of your day and come back tomorrow when we once again open the Word of God and study
0: verse by verse.